thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you for joining us on Wellness from Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And you can find us on social media. So don't forget, make sure you follow us on Facebook. We are the Wellness Women on Facebook. We are the Wellness Women official on Instagram. I'm Dr. Ashley. Oh, Dr. Andrea. You are Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. I am Dr. Andrea.xo on Instagram and the Period Whisperer on Facebook. I don't even know who I am, chat. This is hilarious, <laughs> which is really funny as well because, ladies, this episode is a really incredible interview and we'll get into that in just a second, but um, I'm not actually in the interview because I had serious audio issues. I was there, but I couldn't, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't interject. Um, and so, you know, sometimes technology fails us. So, um, Ash ran the show, um, you'll, you'll hear her sort of really diving in with the incredible Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride tonight, um, or, or this morning, how, whenever you're listening to this and Dr. Campbell McBride, she graduated with honors as a medical doctor, um, in the eighties. Uh, she is an incredible, um, doctor from Russia. She's a medical doctor from there. She also has postgraduate degrees in neurology. Um, and after practicing as a neurologist for many, many years, um, and as a neurosurgeon, she, um, started a family, she moved back to the UK and it was during this time that she developed these theories on the relationship between neurological conditions and nutrition. So, and the food that we were eating. Um, so she completed more postgraduate degrees in human nutrition. I love this, a woman after my own heart who won't stop studying. Um, and it was from this that she developed this specialized approach to using nutrition as treatment 
for some of the really common um, conditions that we see. And at the time, she was recognised as one of the world-leading experts in treating, um, you know, children with autism and ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, depression, and also schizophrenia and all sorts of other, um, you know, learning disabilities and, and mental disorders, which from that then came her book, um, and the invention of the GAPS diet. And GAPS stands for gut and psychology syndrome. She's then gone on to also uh, release two more books. So one is called Vegetarian Explained. And the latest one that's coming out right now is the gut and physiology syndrome. But I think we wanted to kind of pre-frame the interview a little bit as well, right, Ash? Because it certainly took some twists and turns that um, neither of us were expecting. Absolutely. I think this is, you know, what you tend to find with anyone who is incredibly educated, who has studied for prolonged periods, who has formulated new concepts and ideas around how we heal and treat the body. There's, you know, it takes an outlier in thinking to be able to see the new ways forward. And I think this is where a lot of people are challenged with her brilliance because, hate to say it, but you know, she hits the nail on the head. There's so much truth. It's uncomfortable. You know, it's it's yeah. stuff that we'd rather stay ignorant of um, so that we don't have to face the realities that, you know, humans as a species are damaging the planet. So, you know, she talks about some really practical ways to get back on track, how we can help mm. heal the gut, heal the mind, heal the body. She loves, you know, the influence of a person's gut flora and how that starts with the food we put into our bodies. And, of course, she's damaged about the institutions and organizations that have intentionally and willingly and harmfully damaged the environment. So I think, you know, it's um, it's a really important one to listen to. It is going to challenge a few people. I know it definitely got some friends that uh, won't want to hear everything she says, but try and just hear your way through and learn and experience the discomfort of truth. And I think that that's yeah. the, the beauty of this episode. She's just such a gorgeous, warm, gracious woman, so much knowledge, so much giving, um, and so passionate. And you can hear that as it comes through in this interview today. So we hope you get a lot out of it. Dr. Natasha Campbell-Bride is a beautiful woman um, with just, you know, decades of experience. And I, I love the mission she's on. I think she's a powerhouse and I'm really proud that we were able to interview her. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Dr. Natasha. It's such a pleasure to have you on our show because uh, knowing what a, a woman that travels the world, I've certainly seen you across uh, the globe many, many times. I think this is the only time we've had a chance to, to nail you down because COVID has not let many people fly around. So thank you. Thank you for being locked down so that we can actually have a chat to you. That's a pleasure. <laughs> I know thank that we We've got to look for silver linings and um, it's such a privilege to be able to talk to you tonight um, because obviously there's so many, you know, things uh, going on in the world right now. There's so much discussion about how we can optimise our health and well-being, and obviously looking at how we can get our, our gut and our brain and our, our system functioning and firing up as best as we can so we have really strong immune and robust immune systems. We'd really love to know uh, just, I guess, you know, you've got such a diverse career and you've come through so many different interesting um, areas with your training and education. Can you take us a little bit through your journey um, to how you got to look into sort of, I guess, the nutritional aspect that has really pioneered a lot of the things that you've taught? Well, majority of medical doctors who came to the alternative side, to the natural side, had some tragedy in their own families or in their own, uh, with their own health and the health of their loved ones. And I'm no exception. 
I, I had a child with autism. My first uh, child was diagnosed autistic at the age of three, which threw me into a very steep learning curve. I was not prepared to accept um, the mainstream opinion about that condition. And the result of that search was that he is now 28 years old and he's healthy and living a normal life, you know, a, a full, healthy, happy life. And uh, that's working with him and then working with children with learning disabilities and people with mental illness. And then that extrapolated into people with autoimmune disease and neurological disorders and hormonal disorders and allergies and asthma and eczema and chronic cystitis and psoriasis and all sorts of other chronic degenerative conditions um, led me to development of the concept of gaps. Gut and psychology syndrome and gut and physiology syndrome. Both abbreviate to the same gaps in the English language. Gut and psychology syndrome book was published in 2004. Since then, uh, gaps became a global phenomenon. There are millions of people around the world who are following this protocol with great results. And the book has been translated into 23 languages and more translations are coming out. The second GAPS book, Gut and Physiology Syndrome, has just come out. I'm happy to say uh, that I finally finished that book and it just come out and it completes the GAPS concept because Gut and Psychology Syndrome focused on the function of the brain where Gut and Physiology focuses on the whole human body. So in the Gut and Physiology Syndrome, I have covered all autoimmune disease, all autoimmune illnesses that include celiac disease, and rheumatoid arthritis and multiple sclerosis and diabetes type 1 and all sorts of other uh, chronic degenerative Crohn's disease, of course, ulcerative colitis and other uh, digestive disorders, all allergies and histamine intolerance and mast disorder and uh, skin problems and heart problems and lung problems and liver problems and kidney problems and all sorts of other problems because all diseases begin in the gut. We're talking about chronic degenerative diseases. All of them begin in the gut. That's what Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, has stated thousands of years ago. And the more we learn with our modern scientific tools, the more we realize that he was absolutely correct. Indeed, the roots of our health are sitting in the digestive system. It doesn't matter whether the person has digestive symptoms or not. I had many patients who told me that, well, my digestive system is okay. No pain, no gas, no bloating, no diarrhea, no constipation. I seem to be all right in that department. But when we test their gut flora, we find it's very abnormal. And when we put them on the GAPS nutritional protocol, they recover from their rheumatoid arthritis, or their multiple sclerosis, or their psoriasis, or their migraines, or their mental illness, or anything else that is far removed from the digestive system and that they've never connected to the state of their digestive system because indeed the roots of our health are sitting in the gut and that's where the treatment for every degenerative disease must begin. GAPS nutritional protocol is designed to make that root of your health healthy and strong and robust because what it does it normalizes the gut flora in the person it heals and seals the gut wall we build new gut wall for the person out of quality materials. Because the beauty of the human body is that it constantly renews itself. Cells only live a short life, all cells in the human body. They die, they get replaced with newly born baby cells. And uh, that's how the human body heals itself, maintains its physical structure. And uh, um, 
rejuvenates itself, maintains itself throughout our lives. Problem is people live on very poor diets, particularly in the Western world. Isn't it ironic that in the world of plenty, in the Western world, people eat the worst diets. People are the most malnourished. They're far more malnourished than people in impoverished countries where people who live on um, subsistence farming. You know, those people in the third world countries, they're far more capable of producing lots of healthy children. And they are much healthier and much stronger than people in the Western world. People in the Western world have really poor health nowadays because of the way the environment has changed because of the world we have created with our industrial, corporate, global economies. So uh, what happens, let's come back to the human body. People are on, on a very poor quality diet. They eat rubbish, absolute rubbish. Industrially produced, laced with chemicals, devoid of nutrition, rubbish that they buy in their supermarkets. So their bodies are built out of that rubbish. They have physical structure of their bodies built out of poor quality materials. And as a result, people get ill. Any organ, any cell, any system can get ill as a result. What we do with the GAPS nutritional protocol, we rebuild the whole body of the person out of quality materials. So suddenly, everything starts working much better. The brain starts working much better. The liver starts working much better. The lungs are working. The heart is working. The digestive system is working much better. Everything starts working in the human body. And the person just transforms. And your life transforms as a result. And the first place that we heal and seal and rebuild is the gut wall of the person. We build a new gut wall for the person. And when that happens, allergies and intolerances to foods disappear because all allergies and intolerances to foods are due to the fact that the gut wall is like a sieve. It's damaged, it's porous, it's got big holes in it. So food doesn't have a chance to be digested properly before it absorbs. And when it absorbs undigested like that, the immune system finds it in the blood, in the lymph, and attacks it. And this attack manifests itself as a food allergy or intolerance. The reaction can be anything under the sun, any kind of reaction. It can be uh, 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 heart palpitations, it can be a drop in blood sugar level, drop in energy, a migraine, or a skin rash, or an asthma attack, anything, or, or painful joints. And the reaction can be immediate or delayed. So you, on any given day, you have no idea what you're reacting to. You're reacting to everything. You might be reacting to something you've written for lunch just now, some plus something you've written yesterday, plus something you've written a few days ago, and plus something you've written two weeks ago. All these reactions overlap on top of each other. So the person has no idea what they're reacting to. The truth is, you're reacting to everything you eat because most of your food absorbs undigested through the damage the gut wall. So we don't test, I don't recommend that. Uh, instead, we focus on rebuilding the gut wall, closing up all those holes, sealing the gut wall. And once that happens, food starts digesting properly before it absorbs. And these food allergies and intolerances disappear one by one, gradually, in a person. So everybody's familiar with the concept of uh, gut flora nowadays. Everybody knows we've got some microbes living inside our digestive system. Um, recent research says that this 90% uh, of all cells in the human body are in the gut flora, but the human body is only 10%. It's a shell a habitat, this mass of microbes inside us. And uh, we ignore them at our peril. Problem is, the complexity and the diversity of that microbial life inside us 
is just as magnificent as life on Earth itself, on our planet. Imagine a, a rainforest, starting from microbes that live there, from fungi, from vegetation, the trees, the plants, the grasses, the insects, the creepy crawlies, the, the animals, you know, the whole thing, how complex and how amazing and beautiful that circle of life is in the rainforest. The same thing is in your gut. It's a rainforest. It's just as lush and just as amazing and just as complex and diverse. Problem is, we human beings are very good at destroying diversity on our planet, destroying ecosystems. And uh, somehow humans believe that we can destroy everything around ourselves and yet stay intact ourselves, which is uh, naive, isn't it? Uh, incredibly. As been, <laughs> incredibly. As we've been destroying our environment, we have destroyed the microbial communities inside our bodies. Yes. And the problem is this damage is passed through generations. The parents pass that damage to their children at the moment of birth. The, the child starts their life at a very poor uh, stage, at a, at a very poor station. So a um, majority of people in the Western world now have damaged gut flora with poor diversity, with many species of microbes missing, other species overgrowing out of proportions and starting to cause trouble. And as a result, everything goes wrong in the body. The food doesn't digest properly, it absorbs undigested, and you develop multiple nutritional deficiencies. Your gut is not feeding you properly when your gut floor is abnormal. These pathogenic microbes that overgrow convert food into millions of very poisonous chemicals. These chemicals absorb further damaged gut wall, and wherever they get you in the body, they cause disease. If they get into your brain, they will cause uh, mental illness, if it happens in, in infancy, if it happens to a little child, uh, they will cause learning disabilities such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, and so on. If it gets into your lungs, it will cause asthma and other lung disease. If it gets into your heart, it will cause atrial fibrillation, palpitations, other heart rhythm abnormalities and other problems with your heart. If it gets into your liver, it will cause bile stones and liver disease. Wherever it gets to, it will cause disease. In majority of people in the Western world, from my point of view, 100% of people are youngsters nowadays. And the, the younger the generations are, the more, uh, the deeper the damage in them. They're youngsters. So they are malnourished because they're unable to digest their food properly. They can be eating the best food in the world, but if you cannot digest it, it's not going to feed you. So their gut, instead of being a source of nourishment for them, becomes a major source of toxicity in the body. So in order to help these people, what we need to do is we need to focus on the gut. We need to change the gut flora and restore that biodiversity in that little rainforest inside our digestive systems. We need to restore it back to normal, back to its beautiful, balanced diversity where everything eats everything, everything controls everything, when they plant each other, harvest each other, eat each other, control each other. And it's a circle of life which is in balance, in harmony, with within itself and with the rest of your body. Then your gut flora starts feeding you rather than poisoning you. And we rebuild the gut wall for the person. And when that happens, once that happens, your multiple sclerosis disappears. Your rheumatoid arthritis disappears. Your eczema, your asthma, your uh, psoriasis, you know, your chronic cystitis vanishes, your headaches, your uh, uh, foggy brain, your mental symptoms, your psychosis. Another thing, everything in the body. Human body is a magnificent creation. It has all the mechanisms of healing itself and maintaining its health, programmed into it. It's your own body that heals you. 
not the doctor, not the pill, not the diet, not anything else. Your own body has to do the work. So you have to respect your body and you have to work with it and you have to assist it in this kind of uh, help, in this kind of work. So um, as I was working with learning disabilities my my, my clinic and mental illness and autoimmune disease in my clinic, I started getting all these anorexic girls coming to me, one after another, who became anorexic and became bipolar and became schizophrenic because of vegetarianism. Mm. Because sometime in their life they've chosen that lifestyle. And that spurred an interest in this area. I started researching the whole subject, uh, looking into it deeply. And the first thing I've discovered that there is no scientific data, there's no science for us to rely upon on this subject. All scientific papers published on vegetarianism or veganism have been uh, manipulated, have been uh, done by pro-vegetarian lobby. The data has been analyzed incorrectly. The, the, the studies have been incorrectly uh, designed and uh, they have been manipulated. The biggest lie in the world is the China study. We definitely cannot trust that one. So once I discovered that fact, I went to the basic sciences. I've looked at the biochemistry, I've looked at zoology, anatomy, physiology, uh, agrochemistry, you know, and, and uh, agronomy, and uh, clinical experience, of course. And based on all that knowledge, all the basic knowledge is available, all of that, and we have a huge amount of clinical experience. I have written a book called Vegetarianism Explained, where I explain to people, this is the only book of its kind as, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> where I explain to people, uh, the value and how the human body handles animal foods and plant foods. These are two very different groups of foods. The, the basic scientific fact is that nothing on this planet can digest plants apart from microbes. Nothing. The cow doesn't digest the plants itself. The giraffe doesn't digest, can't digest plants. The elephant cannot digest plants. Deer, goats, sheep, they cannot digest plant matter. They have a special digestive system called rumen. Several stomachs full of microbes, choke full of microbes. That is the, the density, that is where they reinforce this, uh, their rumen. So it's that microbial community that digests the grass for the cow, not the cow herself digests the grass. That's the only way we can digest the plant matter. We human beings haven't got a rumen. We have a very different digestive system. Our digestive system is similar to the gut of dogs, cats, lions, foxes, and other predators. We have one little stomach. We don't have a huge room and full of microbes. One little stomach which produces hydrochloric acid. The pH can be below two, below one, sometimes when we're hungry. And that's an extremely hostile environment for any kind of microbe. That is why the stomach of the humans is almost sterile, supposed to be, to have the smallest amount of microbes surviving in that environment. And the only thing that the human stomach can properly digest are meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Plants are indigestible for the human digestive system. All people in traditional cultures have discovered that through experience. That is why they went an extra mile and put extra effort into catching an animal, catching fish, into milking animals, and in collecting eggs. Because they knew that only these foods allowed them to survive and to maintain the physical structure of their bodies. People often point at India 
saying, oh, in India, they're all vegetarians. Not true, not at all. I went to India several times uh, and, and I researched that subject. And actually, before I've written a vegetarianism book, I went to India and I spoke to Hindu pilgrims in India and I looked into Indian traditional vegetarians. Why do you think the cow is a sacred animal in India? You, you know, driving on Indian roads, it's, it's a wonderful experience. <laughs> it's crazy, absolutely crazy. A herd of cows is standing in the middle of a motorway with a fully-fledged bull, you know, fully endowed, mm. and everybody carefully drives around them <laughs> because cows are sacred animals. You, you cannot touch them in India because through thousands of years, through experience, Indians have learned that without cows, they will perish. They simply won't survive because she gives them an animal food, milk, yes. ghee, cheese, cream. And that's very often the only uh, sustenance that really sustains um, the physical structure of the, of the human bodies in India. In India, traditional vegetarianism in India is born out of poverty. When people couldn't afford anything, you know, they, they couldn't afford a bowl of rice, let alone a piece of meat. And if they grew an animal, you know, the only economical thing for that family would be to sell that animal. They couldn't afford to eat that animal themselves. They would sell that animal for meat to wealthier uh, people. And then whatever money they get, they will buy, you know, rice and whatever else they can buy. They all have gardens uh, and they all have chickens. They don't feed their chickens. Chickens are running around everywhere and they would add eggs. Whenever they have eggs, they would add eggs to every meal. All the rice dishes, vegetable dishes, and so on. Egg is an animal food that sustains the physical structure of the human body. Digestible. And dairy. And whenever they had a chance to eat meat or fish, they would never say no to it. The Western evangelical vegetarianism and veganism has arrived to India at the beginning of the 20th century with the work of Nathan Pritikin, who was a New York Jew, Russian-born New York Jew, who's written very successful books. I don't know why his books were so successful. He sold millions of copies, and he was an evangelical vegan. He died from leukemia. He got three forms of leukemia at once. Mm -hmm. He struggled with that leukemia for 25 years until eventually succumbed to it because he just would not eat animal foods because no matter how other doctors have advised him to, he would not. And the same happened to other evangelical vegans in the West. There are several of them, you know, famous people. I'm not going to name them uh, necessarily. Um, one died from Parkinson's disease, suffered for with it 17 years. Another one from uh, neuropathy, again, suffered for 10 years from that neuropathy. Another one died also from a neurological disease because their bodies are starving. Veganism is not a diet. And that uh, uh, information is not coming from me. It came from Hindu pilgrims in India. I spoke to them. The guide in one of the uh, excursions in India has informed us that look at that group of people over there with the black clothes and the golden brim. These are Hindu pilgrims. They travel long distances across India to their sacred uh, religious sites. And part of their pilgrimage is a 42-day fast. The guide didn't have any details about the fast. So next day, I was lucky enough to stumble upon a group like that on the beach. So I spoke to them. And I've asked them about this fast, and they've explained that they, they've described this fast to me. What what is this 42-day fast? And uh, you know how Indians shake their heads. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they said that it's very difficult, so difficult, so difficult, terrible. You know this fast, it's terrible. And I said, so what? Are you allowed to eat something, or do you just drink water? And they said, well, we're only allowed to eat. Listen to this. 
rice, beans, lentils, vegetables, fruit, bread, and vegetable oils. Uh, and so, I thought, oh, that's the vegan, the, the Western vegan diet. And that was these their torture. People, exactly. These people for thousands of years called it a fast. Mm-hmm. I would not do it for longer than 42 days, mm. which is the longest the human body can sustain such a regimen. Because plants do not feed the human body. They're indigestible for us humans. That's why all traditional cultures worked very hard when they couldn't catch an animal, when they couldn't get animal foods. They worked very hard on preparing plants correctly to make them a little bit more digestible. And the best way to do that is to employ microbes because the only things that can digest plants are microbes. Fermentation. All plants need to be fermented outside the human body first before we consume them. In that shape and form, they're far more nourishing and far more digestible, far more feeding. So to summarize on that, animal foods are the foods that feed human body. They are the feeding and the building foods. They sustain the physical structure that we live in. They sustain your heavy bones and your big muscles and your big brain and your lungs and your liver and your heart and all the rest of the organs. Plants do not feed the human body. They're unable to sustain the physical structure of the human body. So what are the plants for? The plants are for cleansing. They're powerful cleansers. They have powerful cleansing substances. Antioxidants, phenols, salicylates, all sorts of other uh, phytonutrients, uh, which, which keep our bodies clean on the inside. And they add color and variety and spice to the food, so they're pleasant to consume. So that's why we eat a mixture. We humans are omnivores. We eat a mixture of animal foods and plant foods. But living on plants alone is completely unsustainable. It is not a diet, it is a fast. You will receive lots of cleansing, but at a certain point, and that's the time usually, you know, when toxic people go on a vegan fast, they um, start feeling better because a cleaner body feels better than a toxic one. And that's the time when they write their evangelical books and blogs and uh, posts and so on, how wonderful veganism is. But at a certain point, the body will finish cleansing. And it will give you a signal, I'm hungry now, I finished cleansing, feed me. How will the body give you that signal? It will give you that signal through giving you a desire for a piece of meat, for a roast chicken with all the skin, all the sizzling, you know, beautiful, lovely, greasy skin. And a pot of cream or cheese or steak or eggs and bacon or something like that, bacon in particular. Problem is, a lot of vegans in our modern world are doing it for various emotional reasons, moral reasons, uh, religious, political reasons. They override that signal. They don't listen to their body. They force their body to continue cleansing when the body needs feeding. And that's the time when the body has no choice but to start breaking down less important tissues to sustain more important organs. So these people start losing muscle mass and bone mass. To, to sustain the heart, the lungs, the brain, the liver, and other vital organs. They start losing their muscle, losing bone mass, and they start getting ill. And if they push themselves longer, they will develop a degenerative chronic disease. Very common are neurological disorders amongst these people, immune system disorders, very common, and hormonal disorders, and other things. The first thing that disappears in vegans, long-term vegans, is any kind of... Um, Sexual activity, because sex hormones are made out of cholesterol in the human body. There's no cholesterol in plants. 
Cholesterol only comes from animal foods. Human body can manufacture cholesterol, but it requires lots of cofactors and protein and fat to manufacture cholesterol. And again, those nutrients can only come from animal foods. So the production of sex hormones goes right to almost to zero. So these people usually have no libido, they have no, not even an interest in the opposite sex, um, particularly when they do it long term, uh, this sort of people. This fact has been discovered and exploited by religious orders in the Middle Ages, where nuns and monks, uh, Christian nuns and monks, were not allowed to have any contact with the opposite sex. So their sexual energy was a problem for them. And they were looking for a way of reducing it or getting rid of it. And they discovered through experience that not eating animal foods serves them perfectly. You know, menstruation stop, any kind of libido stops, any kind of even 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 thoughts about the opposite sex disappear completely. They become completely neutral. These people they become in a way eunuchs without being castrated. Mm. <laughs> it's like castration, as, you know, long term uh, veganism. So uh, that that is that is one thing. So if any young person really would like to have a proper family. Uh, veganism is not the right thing to do. Many of these people uh, believe the propaganda that they're saving the planet by being vegetarians and vegans. This propaganda has been launched by Monsanto and Bayer and DuPont and other agrochemical monopolies, uh, global corporations that now rule the, the, whole, the whole planet, basically. That is, that is coming from them, this propaganda, because it is unprofitable for industrial Western agriculture to produce meat, eggs, and milk. Unprofitable, it's a huge headache for them uh, because animals just don't want to comply with their uh, draconian uh, you know, measures, their kafos and, and other, other terrible methods that they use. So it's unprofitable and it's uh, painful for them. Plants, however, are very easy for them to produce because the scientists have worked it out to a tea. They've got the special hybridized seeds sprayed with special chemicals and they give you special machines and they tell you, you spray this on day five, you spray that on day 14, you spray that on day 30 and it works. You have this verdant green fields with not a weed inside, huge harvests. Harvests of what? Nobody's interested. Nutrient devoid plant matter full of chemicals. But it all looks nice and it sells well and it's profitable. So Monsanto and DuPont and uh, uh, Bayer, Bayer has bought Monsanto in 2018. Um, they want the whole planet to be vegan. They want all of us to stop eating meat and stop eating eggs and stop eating dairy and fish. They want us all to be vegan because then they definitely in business. Then they, uh, their profits will grow. So that's where this propaganda comes from. Veganism and vegetarianism is a major destructive force for nature. These people are not saving the planet, they're destroying the planet. They need to get the truth and they need to get the real information. And that is what I describe and explain in the book Vegetarianism Explained. So please read that book and give it to anybody who's interested in a plant-based lifestyle. Dr. Tash, that's amazing. And, and thank you so much for diving into that. Because, so, you know, a lot of um, people we've spoken to, a lot of guests on the show, sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable to, um, you know, confront the harsh and the real truths that uh, there is, you know, global monopolization in terms of our food production. I think, you know, from experience working with families, and I do work with some child development um, in my practice, and I've always been interested that when I do um, and have recommend your GAPS nutritional protocols, 
One of the big challenges for families is this idea, you know, you, we talked about, you mentioned the microbial diversity and how we can diversify our diets to help support and to, you know, re, replenish our bodies and seal and heal the gut there. But I noticed that we, we've often kind of came at that problem because obviously you, you touched on this, but the concept of monocultures and how, you know, there's a lack of diversity. You just can't go into the supermarket and buy healthy foods that even if the protocol suggested you do, um, there was still a distinct lack of, um, you know, nutritional benefit there. How do you, how do you help families get around that, um, that lack of, I guess, diversity in our standard Western diets? We must stop shopping in supermarkets. Okay. I haven't been to, I haven't been to a supermarket for years. <laughs> you know that 70, you know, this, this industrial Western agriculture would have you believe that they are feeding the planet, that they are such benevolent philanthropists, they're feeding the planet. Not true. 75 to 80% of all population of our planet is not fed by the, the Western industrial agriculture. They are fed by subsistence farming because majority of the population of the world live in third world countries and they have a goat in their back garden and they have a garden and they have their chickens running around. They produce their own food. That is why these people are capable of producing plenty of healthy children. While we in the Western world are incapable of producing healthy children anymore. There are no healthy children being born anymore. They're all sick. They all have problems because we buy our food in supermarkets. And who stocks up the supermarkets? Monsanto, DuPont, Bayer, and so on. Global monopolies. They're stocking the, and they're not interested in your health. They're only interested in money, on profit, in profits, in efficiency. That's all they're interested in. So we must stop doing that. In every Western country, there are hundreds and hundreds of proper farmers. Yes. Regenerative, organic, biodynamic farmers who uh, are producing proper food. Find these farmers. In every country, there are uh, people who have created websites with lists of these farmers. Go to Western Enterprise Foundation. That is a wonderful resource all over the world, which will give you information where to find these farmers. Or just go to your uh, Sunday farmer's market. Taste their food. Speak to the farmers. Look in the eye of that farmer and see, is this a good person? Can I trust this person? Mm. And then say, can I visit your farm? Visit their farms. See where the chickens are running around. See how the animals are kept. See how the vegetables are growing. See if there are any bags of chemicals sitting around. You know, see this, if there are any fridges full of uh, antibiotics and steroids for the animals. In a farm like that, they wouldn't even let you in to a yeah, farm like that. Yeah. With all the refrigerators and those chemicals. So, and then buy exclusively from these farmers. What we do with my patients who live in cities, I recommend to form cooperatives, to form groups. Mm -hmm where they find all these farms outside the city and one day a week one of the uh, people from the group drives to a farm brings milk and meat and eggs and whatever else for the whole group and then everybody pops around to their house and picks up their bits and pieces next week somebody else drives so that way you will have a rotor and you don't have to drive far away to a farm every week yourselves that's so a brilliant idea yes and buy directly yeah. because that not only you will support your own family with proper quality food, with real food, the food that Mother Nature intended for us, but you will also be supporting a good person, a good farmer. These farmers are all struggling because Western governments are subsidizing industrial agriculture. They're giving them money. While uh, 
with organic farmers and real farmers, regenerative farmers, they make their life extremely difficult with their regulations, their inspections, their meddling. So the only farmers that really survive, these real farmers, are the ones who have a strong customer base, people who buy directly from them. So you'll be supporting a good farmer. You'll be supporting a good person while feeding your family properly. So tell me, have you had the same, uh, you know, influence we've noticed here in uh, Western Australia, where we're from, uh, when we went through a stage of lockdown, it was interesting because one of the things that uh, we couldn't get our hands on was seedlings and all the little plants that, uh, you know, the local garden stores had. And I noticed a a massive interest from families um, starting to grow their own vegetable gardens, starting to grow their own herbs. And it really fits um, in alignment with what Andrew and I talk about a lot is if you can grow your own, you know, if if someone grows some tomatoes, another person grows from you know capsicums and things share them and create that um, that real food because growing your own is the only real guarantee that what you're eating is healthy and fresh and real i think the biggest silver lining of this uh year which was a very bizarre year <laughs> completely is that, that people had more time to spend in their gardens and yes. had more time to spend with their children and people started rebuilding communities you know that th- these are the real values the real wealth in our in our lives not money money doesn't bring you happiness what brings happiness to every human being is family community friendships local local things that are going on so if you have a community if you resurrect your community in the local area and one person might grow tomatoes for everyone another person might grow cucumbers for everyone another person might do potatoes for everyone somebody might have goats somebody might have chickens you can exchange without money being ever involved because the globalists, you know, that uh, secret hidden global government that we have now, uh, they want uh, to get rid of cash. They want everything to be electronic. So very soon we wouldn't be able to exchange banknotes and coins <laughs> with each other. So it's best to go back to exchanging real wealth, real, real goods. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too, you mentioned about that exchange. And one of the um, great benefits I could see of that exchange is that, you know, we all have our own different soils in our yards and gardens, and we all have our own different microbes around. I could imagine that, you know, you talked about that microbial diversity being critical for the health and well-being of humans. Um, would it be fair to assume that if we start sharing things around more, we'll get increases in diversity that we could, you know, obviously sharing different microbes and potentially different worms and different things that could, um, you know, help to improve community health? Absolutely. You know, if you take two people and ask one person to grow carrots for health and another person to grow carrots for maximum profit, these people will go about growing carrots in a very different way. Mm. They will do it very, very differently. So because in this community, everybody will be growing their special vegetables and whatever foods for health, they will do, they will put their love into it. They will do it properly. So the nutritional density of these foods will be incomparable to anything in the supermarket. And they'll be chemical free, truly. You know, the organic standards we cannot trust anymore in the Western world. They have been corrupted in the last 10 years. They're absolutely out of the window now. You cannot trust organic label in the supermarkets because all of these labels are coming from now CAFOs and from industrial agriculture. Because 10 years ago, industrial agriculture wanted a piece of that pie. They saw that people were interested in organics and the sales were growing in the organic sector. They wanted a piece of that pie. So because they control the agricultural policies of Western governments, they put their own people into Western governments, into, into the agricultural ministries. They control agricultural policies. Monsanto controls agricultural policies in every Western government. 
and, and other monopolies like that. So um, they have changed all the laws, all the regulations. They've corrupted organic standards. You cannot trust organic labels anymore, I'm afraid. That's a very sad fact. Yeah, it's true. So, it's very true. We've talked about this on our show quite often about this concept of greenwashing, that um, just because something looks green doesn't mean that it is and that there's misleading words and you know misleading uh, packaging to make people think they're making a better choice, but unfortunately they're not. I'd love to know just a little bit about what um, your obviously your first book, you know, Gut Psychology, is all about that, that gut-brain axis, that gut-brain connection. How does that differ from your gut and physiology protocol? Is there a difference in the protocol or are you just expanding, exploring further about um, how it's not just about the gut-brain, it's about, you know, the entire physiology and how your whole body is affected by that gut? Well, the GAPS nutritional protocol evolves. Evolves, okay. I, I learn every day. Yeah. <laughs> my patients teach me new things all the time. You know, I learn from my patients. Uh, so it evolves. So the, the full spectrum of the diet is much wider now. In the gut and psychology syndrome, we only had introduction diet and the full GAPS diet. Mm-hmm. Now we have five uh, varieties of GAPS diet. Uh, so the, the full spectrum is described in the gut and physiology yes. syndrome. And uh, there are many other aspects that I explain in there and all the new information that I have learned in these years with my patients. So this is the up-to-date, everything I know about GAPS. Amazing. And so with that protocol, what sort of things are you finding? Obviously, you talked a lot about autoimmune. I mean, for us, we work a lot in women's health and you know, some of the key things are related to, I guess, you know, majority of dysfunction, related to thyroid dysfunction. Are these things you're seeing changes in? You know, are people you know, reversing or, or curing things like Hashimoto's? Is that something that you're witnessing in your practice? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We now know that our gut flora is the biggest endocrine organ in the human body because every one of those little microbes have their own hormonal balance. They produce hormones. And these hormones, this of the flow of hormones from our gut flora is phenomenal. And it goes into your blood, it goes into your lymph, and it talks to your hormones in your body. It rebalances your whole hormonal uh, system. It's the biggest endocrine organ. And when the gut flora is abnormal, the flow of hormones from it is abnormal too. So your hormonal balance goes off kilter immediately. Everything goes wrong. Thyroid, you know, gets exhausted and you have a low thyroid function. You have exhausted adrenals. Your sex hormones are all over the place causing PMS, causing endometriosis, causing polycystic ovaries, causing libido problems and all kinds of other problems. And uh, it's it's good that you've asked here because I would like to touch on soy is a powerful disruptor of hormonal balance. It's a, it's a hormone disruptor. And if their mom was washing her hair with shampoo, using deodorants, using makeup, dyeing her hair, using uh, dishwasher powder, using washing powder in her clothes and maybe painting a baby room or there's a myriad of chemicals that we have created which are endocrine disruptors. They damage our hormonal balance in the human body. And the fact of pregnancy is that the mother's body uses pregnancy as a chance to clean up by dumping toxins into the fetus. It sounds cruel, sounds unfair, but that's the way the mother nature created the human body. The woman's body uses that as a chance to clean up. So if this woman decided to have her first child, when she was over 30, and that usually is the case nowadays, for 30 years she has been accumulating in her body man-made chemicals which have endocrine-disrupting ability, which are hormones in their own uh, right. They're, mm. they're xenoestrogens and they're xenohormones. 
this sort of thing. She's been accumulating all of that. And when she becomes pregnant, she dumps all of that into her fetus. That's so interesting. They found that um, evidence in cord blood banks, haven't they, that they were, you know, identifying the the toxicity being transferred um, based on the cord blood banking, which I thought was very interesting. I was reading a study that there was 95% of Americans had phthalates in their cord blood, which was uh, a phenomenal statistic and, and incredibly concerning. So I guess another um, great reason to clean up our environment, to stop buying from commercial investments and to start to go back to that very basic concept, which is eat local, create your own, you know, make your own products um, and get away from all those endocrine disrupting compounds, as you described. If you had to summarize your book and I guess, you know, the three most important points you'd want any reader to take home to, you know, when they influence their life in a positive way, what would be the three things you would think of that you would say, okay, this is what people need to know? First of all, dig up that useless lawn. Okay. No lawns, <laughs> just gardens, <laughs> food. We should all get rid of lawns. Lawns are ecologically unsustainable. They damage our ecology. Mm-hmm. It's a hugely damaging thing and it's a huge territory on our earth that is covered by these useless, appalling lawns, where the bees cannot collect anything from it, insects cannot live there, many people spray chemicals on the whole thing, dig them up, make a vegetable garden, put chicken coops there, put a few chickens. Everyone, every human being should start producing their own food if they want to eat properly. We need to eat properly. Second, we need to reconnect with nature, reconnect with our planet. The further away from nature a human being removes himself or herself, the sicker and the more abnormally dysfunctional we become. The truth and the health can be found only in nature. There is no truth in humanity. Humanity only manipulates. So the truth is only, so the closer you are to nature, uh, the the healthier we are, and, and the more grounded we are, the more sensible we are, the more common sense we have, you know, the more straight we think, <laughs> the closer we are to nature. And the third, with the recent events, um, please don't allow fear into your life. Fear can only destroy. Fear is nobody's friend. And at the moment, the whole uh, planet is in a grip of fear uh, because those who are now in charge of the planet, you know, we moved into a, 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 an age of global tyranny. We've lived through millennia of individual tyrannies in individual countries, and we could point to that country and say, oh, look at that tyrant, how terrible that is. Now we have a global tyranny. All of us, the whole globe, the whole planet is now under one global tyranny. We have to face that fact. And these global tyrants, they want everybody to live in fear. Because if people are fearful, they are easily controlled. They are easily manipulated. The closer we are to nature, the more we produce our own food, the more we have a local community, the more we have family, the less fear is in our souls. The more grounded and the more sure of ourselves we are. Every human being on this planet has power. If you keep that power to yourself and you don't give it away to some evil government somewhere, then things will go right for you and for the whole of humanity. Well, I think... 
Yeah. We all need to, to yeah. I, I think that's a pretty powerful message, you know, to, to eat real food, to uh to dig up your lawns and, you know, produce rather than consume. And obviously to choose love. You know, I think it's there's a lot of discussion about uh avoid fear or, you know, it's fear that uh, causes damage, but we talk about choosing love. So I think that's a beautiful way to to say thank you to to sharing your time with us tonight. So Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, thank you so much for joining us today on Wellness Radio. It's um been such a pleasure to have you here. Obviously, our listeners uh, will include some links um, in our show notes and to, to share with everyone so they can find where you are and have a look at your new book as well, The Gut and Physiology Protocol, and um, just explore more information about GAPS and the miracles that you've been creating, you know, how you've been healing the gut and healing the body. And obviously, you know, when we heal a person, we, we can heal a community. So thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you very much for joining us today. That's a pleasure. Thank you for your work, too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. And I'm back and my audio is working again, which is miraculous. Okay. That was um, definitely a hard-hitting powerhouse interview, Ash. Thank you for leading that. Um, as you can tell from um, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride's passion, she is so intelligent, so switched on, and she's obviously so experienced in this. And we know that this information is going to challenge some of you. So just I, my recommendation would be to, you know, use that information to also formulate your own ideas to what sits well with you. But some of the things that you we cannot argue with, which I think is universal, is that um, I loved how she touches on the fact that, you know, our gut microbes make our hormones. I love that. But then her three key points, which were just so poignant, was, you know, dig up your lawn and make a veggie garden reconnect with nature and don't allow fear into your life you know i think that that is so so important and i think everyone can agree on that universally um ash that was pretty pretty awesome cool so ladies if you love that episode uh, make sure you take a friend share it with them let them know that there's other ways of thinking and uh that we can certainly challenge each other to to grow to learn to explore and to heal the body through the gut so that was uh yeah that's amazing episode thank you for joining us today you're listening to wellness and radio um we're here Dr. Ashley Bond, Dr. Andrea Huddleston and we're raising the bar on women's health and until next week be well This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.